0: Welcome to the Confident Money Podcast, where we talk money, finances and accounting for real people without all the technical jargon, patronizing and gatekeeping. I'm your host, Caitlin Magnuson, and I'm going to be your new finance bestie. Welcome back to the Confident Money Podcast. We have Brock here as our special guest for our third episode with him now brock and i are going to be talking all about student loans and it's a little bit of everything a little bit of the moratorium a little bit about making you know the best choices and informed decisions and also how student loans play into the bigger picture into refinancing into debt and mortgage plans so brock welcome back hey glad to be here yeah so Brock, you and I were talking before we got started because I am really lucky, and I don't know if a lot of our listeners know this. I have gone through mortgage debt, divorce debt, credit card debt, car loan debt, uh, but I do not have any student loan debt. But you do, and the majority, I think, of millennials have student loan debt, and it's something that has felt really crushing at times. So I wanted to just kind of talk about what that looks like, and you know, like what you did for schooling.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I went, um, which I think was great for me and i think you also did um i did my first couple years at a community college uh just did my generals and everything at my um around my hometown um it was great because it really did help with that transition into the college life but also i was able to get my first two years done pretty much debt free there's a lot of different public programs out there a lot of good grants and everything available at the community colleges for the courses Um, so i was fortunate to leave with zero but I did, did go to an out-of-state college in Arizona after. So um, my last two years of my undergrad and also my graduate program were at Arizona State. And I did leave there roughly around like 122000 And then obviously interest is accrued. I did do some different repayment programs early on in my career when I wasn't quite making uh, at the level that I am now through that repayment and navigating that and everything. I have also since consolidated, which I do think that we're going to touch on um, different consolidation options and everything. And currently I am actually still making payments, even though of the mor- moratorium. And that's just because I'm just trying to cut back at that debt. That's my main, my main debt that I, that I have myself before I, I get into the mortgage realm and uh, hopefully the next couple years.
0: No, I think that's really smart. And I think We can actually just segue into i I want to talk about the moratorium first and Mm -hmm. what that looks like with payments since you just brought that up so i'm a really big proponent i know that there are people out there that are just when you're feeling crushed by student loan debt and you don't feel like there's a way out or you have that and you have credit card debt and maybe you have a mortgage you just have all of these things and it feels like nothing's ever going to be paid off it can be really nice if you are in a spot to be paying off debt, especially right now with the moratorium on federal loans, to be using this time to prioritize debt payoff accordingly. And Mm -hmm. we talked about debt payoff in an earlier episode, I think in season two. And in season two, we talked about listing out your debts Listing out your interest rates, your balances, and your minimum monthly payments, and prioritizing your payoffs based on the highest interest. And if you really want kind of a win right out of the bat, sometimes you could pick your lowest balance, get that one paid off quickly so that you have a win to kind of, you know, tuck in your pocket. And then dive right back in with your highest interest and start chipping away at that because that saves you the most money. You know, another good point
1: on that too is if because... We have this freeze on the interest, on everything, on your repayment collections, anything like that. What's happening to your credit at this point is it's you're getting this account and it's extending your credit life, which is great. My credit life is the number of accounts I have and, and the length is great because of my student loans. They are my longest accounts. Um, and so what they've done is they've built my credit history because I haven't missed any payments And it's a responsible debt. So by freezing that right now in the moratorium, all I'm doing is helping myself almost because it's getting my credit profile to be more strong and they're seeing more payment history. Even though you're not making payments, you're not not making payments. And so it's really helping that credit profile as well. And I agree, Caitlin, completely. Like student loans are responsible debt, much like a mortgage. Um, they're not looked at the same way that you know vehicle loan debt, uh, personal loan debt, you know all your other debts, credit card debt, of course, out there, um, which isn't viewed as of a. I wouldn't say it's irresponsible by any means, but it's not a responsible debt, um, and so when we pay all those other ones off, our debt to income does get is helped a little bit because we're getting all of that other high interest, high yield debt kind of paid down first. So I completely agree holding off on making payments on, you know, your responsible debt, do it. You're freezing your interest. You're not accruing anything. You are accruing on your other things.
0: Right. Exactly. And I think that for a lot of people, if this was a time where with the moratorium, maybe you feel like you have a little bit of breathing room for the first time in a few years. And we need it forever, Right. No, it's it's a big sign though, that you should be taking the time while you have it to look at, are you building that side hustle? I know that that's the quintessential thing to be doing right now, but are you building that side hustle? Have you advocated for yourself? Have you job hopped? Have you found a way to increase your income while simultaneously setting yourself up to be in a better spot when those loan payments do resume? Hey, if you're enjoying the show, make sure you subscribe and join our community at confidentmoneypodcast.com, where we share resources and all of the money happenings. Plus, you can send feedback and suggestions for what you'd like to see covered in future episodes. That's confidentmoneypodcast.com. Okay, back to the show. And I know that you and I were talking about this, Brock. We do anticipate, and of course, we don't have a crystal ball, but we do anticipate that this moratorium will most likely be extended again. We've seen it extended, I think, Mm -hmm. four times now.
1: It's officially, I think, about just over two years old at this point.
0: Wow. yeah which has been great for so many people and we've you know seen some things tossed around like maybe there's going to be a $10,000 student loan forgiveness which for a lot of people is a drop in the bucket it's still absolutely better than nothing and might help chip away at some of that interest that you've accrued because i think that's really the kicker for a lot of people and that's what really oh. chafes me is your interest if if your balance would just be what it was and you had a low interest and you could pay it down That's one thing. But there are people that have been paying on their student loans for 20 years that owe more than they owed when the student loans began.
1: Oh, I'm a perfect example. I owe, you know, more than when I started. Um, More recently, I've been able to make bigger payments and everything. But a lot of these are interest only. Um, Luckily, you know, when you do have those federal loans and everything, you do get an interest cap and it's not variable. Um, But that's not all loans. I mean, there are some federal loans out there, especially like plus loans, graduate loans, everything like that with a variable interest at, over time. So you need to look at whether your loan subsidized, not subsidized. And then on, in addition, we have had two years of not having to pay for these. But what's happened in those two years? Our housing prices have gone up, gas has gone up, food has gone up. I mean, the the stocks have gone down. We have all of these other costs as a result of COVID and just the general economy that this hasn't been in people's budgets for the last two years. All You know what I mean? There's a lot of people who did take advantage of this moratorium. And for them to end that moratorium, it's going to be
0: very political, honestly. No, absolutely. And my, I mean, hope upon hopes would be that with inflation, with a looming recession, with everything that we're seeing, that they will continue to extend it because otherwise it feels like everything will just be piled on all at once, which yep. I think will not help any of our economic situations. So... With that, and with, you know, again, these only apply to federal loans for the moratorium currently, and it's a freeze on payments, on interest and collections, which is great. But for a lot of people that may or may not impact you at all, because you may have consolidated, you may have private loans. And so mm-hmm. I know we want to talk about um, A, consolidating and B, those offers that you get in the mail because you brought up a really good point about yes. that.
1: I think all over, um, and they, they, do, they know who, who to target, you know, your recent college grads, your uh, people who are struggling to do the repayments and everything. And um, there's a lot of private companies out there that will kind of claim to reconsolidate your loans. But in essence, what you're doing, you're also refinancing and you're refinancing with a private lender. So essentially what they're doing is they're paying off your federal loans and now you have a loan with them. Um, the problem here is now the federal moratorium and everything, that's outside their scope. They are not, you know, they don't have control over freezing those loans. So your repayment terms are much less flexible. So definitely be cognizant of when you're looking at these offers to consolidate and refinance student loans, make sure it's, it's in your benefit and it works for your, you know, how you project to pay your loans back in the, you know, in the coming years. I think also another thing is that they, you know, we keep hearing about student loan forgiveness and everything like that. And I would err on the side of caution to, to uh, consumers that, you know, it's a lot of talk. I don't believe that it's going to apply to hardly anybody. Of course, different sectors and different industries are going to have, you know, much more ability to forgive some loans than others. Um, But I will say it's not a debt to kind of think is going to go away. It's just, you know, it's a lot more flexible of a debt.
0: Well, and I think with that too, Brock, if your student loan interest rate is relatively low and we're looking at that grand scheme of like your finances and your debt, I don't see anything wrong for the most part, depending on your personal financial goals, with not prioritizing paying those off. If you've paid off your credit card debt if all of your other high interest debt is gone and you're in a good financial spot paying what you need to be paying and just kind of letting it do its thing like it it just is push it
1: out at least 20 years we know that repayment terms get a lot better after the 20-year mark
0: yeah no i i think that that can be overlooked by people because i think they're despite it not necessarily being a bad debt right because I don't, I don't believe in good or bad debts necessarily. There's not like an inherent moral value, no. right? Uh, which, but I think so many people attach a moral value to student loans, to you know having debt, to their student loan debt continuing to increase. Because like, like I said, that's the thing that just like kills me is it just keeps increasing, and so it can feel like there's no way out. And so if you decide, which I think a lot of people have hey, this just isn't a huge priority. If I'm making my payments when I need to be making them, if the interest rate's not something ridiculous or if you've refinanced or consolidated or done any of these things so that you have a rate that's, I'm going to say tolerable. I mean, I'm not looking to pay my mortgage off because my mortgage interest rate is under 4%. Mm -hmm. I'm investing that money instead. So I'm making my money work in other ways. And I look at student loans that are lower interest. Now, if you have something that's like 10 or 11%, different story, you know, that's kind of in between mortgage and credit card, depending on that rate. I'd probably look at trying to pay that off, or refinancing, or doing anything along those lines. But I think because of that, Brock, so many people are jaded when it comes to student loans. And what really bothers me—I'm going to get some hate on this probably. Dave Ramsey is such a big proponent of you know you shouldn't take out debt for school. You should be able, you should wait until you can pay it outright if all of our doctors or medical professionals, or you know anyone that requires significant schooling were to wait until they could afford school, A, it's it super privileged. Happen. B, like, how are you going to do that? How are you gonna have access to three, $400,000 that you can just drop on school? Like that's a house in many places, or half a house, depending on where you are. Um, you know, how are you just gonna be able to drop that on schooling and then you've lost so much earning potential. And so I think when you're looking at student yeah. loans, And taking them on, because you and I have both had experiences with this. You know, I had a friend that was a lawyer that made, had over $200,000 in student loans. And everyone thinks that being a lawyer is lucrative. It's not necessarily lucrative unless you're working for a large firm or in certain industries. And so weighing, like social work as well, right? Weighing the pros and cons of your career path, your desires, your income, against what you're looking at taking out in student loans and what that's going to look like for yourself, I think is important to make an informed decision because student loans are a tool to get you an education and you need to be the one to assess if that's the right path.
1: I honestly do see them very similar into like a mortgage. We can't wait to get a house until we save up enough money for a house. It's just not, it doesn't work. And it also doesn't work for us. Like, like you mentioned these student loans and everything, um, they allow us access to get the education we need, get to our earning potential a lot earlier on in life. And then in addition, student cost is just going to go up. We've seen tuition just keep skyrocketing. See, since we even us were in college, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you wait any much longer and then those, you're going to be waiting forever. And then life gets in the way, everything like that. So my my advice, and I think you, you share this already is be informed, be informed, know what, you know, you kind of want to get out of your career, do the exploration, do the tours, talk to professionals in that industry. That is what I can't stress enough is talk to professionals in the industry you're looking into, ask them about their experience. They'll probably be more than happy to, you know, go through what they went through um, and, and kind of let you know and, make sure that, you know, when you do get out of college, that there's a a direct need for what you're doing because too often, you know, and colleges don't kind of warn you about this is they, they'll, they'll gladly give you loans and everything for these, uh, you know, professions or industries that really might not be hiring as much as, as other professions. And you don't want to really necessarily take out so much debt for something that you're going to have a, you're going to struggle the whole time that you're in this career to pay it back. It's unfortunate for some, because, you know, some people are very, very passionate in the fields that they go into, but they're very expensive. Um, You know, just, just be informed.
0: Well, and I, I think too, I know that that's something that I've seen a lot of the financial independence groups that I'm in are, you know, people that are in social work or in a lot of, unfortunately, these caring positions, right, where Mm -hmm. there's absolutely an inherent value. But unfortunately, there's not a monetary value that matches the amount of work, education, etc, that it takes to make it in that career path. And I think that you brought up a really good point of talking to people in the industry, because if you're going to go to a college colleges are going to want to make themselves look good. Like we have, you know, these great rates we have, you know, this is the number of people that are employed within one year in their field. This is everything that goes with it. And I think talking to people that are actually doing it and getting an idea of what their day to day looks like, because I think, I know that when I was 18 actually I started college in 17, when I was 17 and I was going to school, I had completely different ideas of what working in the field that I was going to school for would look like. And I mm-hmm. didn't realize, and we have the internet, like we had the internet then, but we have the internet so much more now and so many more connections that reaching out on LinkedIn or reaching out to the alumni, you know, that graduated from your school, there are so many things that you could be doing to make sure it's the right path for you. And I think with what you did and what I did, is we both did our general education at a community college. A, it was less expensive. B, it allowed me time to grow and mature and decide a little bit more if the path I was going down was right. And I was also able to move out, well, this was 2008. I was able to move out on my own with roommates and afford to make it. Um, my same apartment that was $700 is now $2,100. I know. I
1: don't even want to talk about it.
0: So right. I couldn't have done that now, which kills me a little bit. It kills me a lot of it inside. But that being said, community college allowed me to not have student loans from those first few years, which was great. And it let me take it at my pace. I take a ton of online courses, which was amazing. And it let me mature. And I think that was really mm-hmm. important because who I wanted to be at 18 was different than who I wanted to be at 20
1: And it changes
0: so much during that time frame.
1: I think if you took 10 college graduates, aged whatever, and asked them, did they end up graduating with what they went, their first major, or what they thought that they were going to graduate with when they started college, nine out of 10 of them will tell you no.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: I think that those first couple years, there's a reason that they're general, you know, go in, figure out what you like. Figure out the profession. Find where you're passionate about. A lot of us don't even know where we're passionate yet. We're still growing. Yeah. Um, but those, you know, keep in mind that you're pulling out these loans, and it's a, you know, it's for a great, it's for a great uh, education. But make sure it's, you know, applying to what you want to for the rest of your life. But you know, there's such great career advice and everything, um, either through college or just general financial aid offices at at the college that you're looking at. Um, they're pretty transparent. Uh, a lot of them do work directly for the federal um, government-funded programs, so they will kind of be, you know, black and white with you um, as far as what the repayment looks like and everything. And you know, it there's always reform. There's reform all the time with uh, how student loan uh, loans are set up through the government and everything like that. So I think we still have yet to see. Um, even more changes in the future.
0: No, I agree. And I I think that at the end of the day, A, I'm really over vilifying debt. I think almost all of us, and I don't have the percentages on that, but so many of us have or have had debt Mm -hmm. and student loans are such a big part of that for Gen X, Gen Z, to an extent, and millennials. And I think that while we have seen a resurgence in individuals not getting college degrees, which has been so interesting and starting businesses or, you know, doing things on their own or becoming a TikTok influencer, like there are so many paths to create a life that works for you, that works for your personality, that works for your finances. And there's also no reason for you to blindly get a college degree if it's not necessary for your field or, and you and Mm -hmm. I have both seen people do this, uh, to continue going to school for higher education because you automatically equate it with higher wages and you need to do the math on, okay, cool. I've gotten my bachelor's that will make me X, Y, Z in this field. And for a lot of jobs, do not get me wrong. I have had to have a bachelor's degree as a check mark in completely unrelated fields at a lot of places, which is a frustrating sticking point for me but I had it, but it's a gatekeeping exercise. And then Mm -hmm. if I go to look at a master's and I've toyed with a master's so many times because I love school, it wasn't going to help me in what I needed. I had the real world experience. What I was doing did not require a master's degree Mm -hmm. and it wasn't like the cost benefit was not worth it.
1: I think, especially in our industry, you know, in finance, accounting, tax, whatever it may be, um, we all go through school and we learn everything conceptually and Then we start and it's a completely different world once you're out there and you you do realize that sometimes, um, and you know, I'm not speaking for anything specifically, but that education that you you got isn't as applicable. Um, And I think that you're completely right. Like, I think it's, we still are much a merit-based society as far as our levels and um, how employment goes, but we are steadily opening other doors outside of just secondary education and you know as we change and we grow and everything people are getting educations overseas and some people are going into different trades and everything like that and i think i have more power to them. do not just incur the debt just to incur it you know but if if it is necessary then i I, i'm for it completely um it, it just really depends on your industry and i Again, I think just getting informed and and figuring out what you want to do and talking to other people in that field—maybe ten years your senior, twenty years your senior—and um, just kind of getting in their run on things. But you know, we are changing all the time too.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's the biggest thing, right? Is just like your personal financial journey, your personal you know education or your career path, or all of that feeds into it, and so a trade school may be perfect for you. My dad was an electrician for his entire career. He made great money. He knew exactly what came with it. Like he was very well versed in it. And it was, we're gonna say stable with quotes, like any trade depending on the economy may or may not be stable, but it allowed him a really great living. And And there are other people that, you know, my mom didn't have to get her bachelor's until just recently. And she's been a nurse for 35 years. And for her, that was a really low barrier to entry to a career that had a pretty good financial payoff. And I think being able to find something that you want that, you know, Venn diagram, right? You're interested in it, you're good at it, and it pays what you need. And that may be college, that may be, you know, becoming a medical doctor, which incurs a lot of debt, but also Mm -hmm. comes with generally a much higher earning potential and some really fantastic loan options. Like there are some really cool things for, you know, medical doctors when they go through school. And you could also do trade school. You could also do no school. You could also, you know, become a technician, do something in between. Like there are so many options. And I think the more that you learn about those and the more that you figure out what works best for who you are, what your financial goals are and how you best function that you can then make an educated decision, but taking funding out for any of those, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, taking a personal Mm -hmm. loan out to start your business or using a credit, like It happens. We've, I'm sure, probably all done it. Take a credit card out and go do your thing.
1: There are reasons, and granted, it's a little bit different, but the concept is the same. Debt is not bad, necessarily, because we have these conglomerate corporations. They have to have debt. They want debt because it keeps them as a strong company. Debt gets you further. You know, um, most small businesses can't start without small business loans. You know, we don't all have that rich grandpa. And, you know, so I think that pulling out debt, but being informed about what your de- the debt that you're getting yourself into is very important. You never do- want to go to college for two years and end up finding out that you're not passionate about what you're doing. Now you've incurred this debt and everything like that. Um, but like you mentioned, a lot of the passions that people have these days, college doesn't have to be a requirement. There are so many trades out there. I have so many friends that, um, you know, are not necessarily a college graduate or went into a completely different field two, three years after graduation. We're ever changing. There's always new things happening in the world. And as we're seeing, we're, you know, even our nation alone is, is changing to where there's new jobs coming up all the time. Like, especially in the social media space, I mean, content creators, you're not going to go to college and learn a lot of the things um, that you, that you're going to, be able to apply like a lot of the real world learning out there. And I think the reason that we have success in our careers is because of that hands-on. So it wasn't all college, but of course, every, you know, everything is different and, and really just doing your, your research ahead of time, I think is probably the best tool, but to, to get back to the actual student loan payments and everything, I think freeze them, you know, hold off as long as you can get some of the other debt paid off use this time as a flexible, a flexible time to kind of just revamp and and, and get your plan together as to how you want to approach, uh, you know, the next coming years that could be a little bit unexpected as to how the economy works.
0: Absolutely. Well, and Brock, I want to touch on what you said, because we didn't talk about it at all. But there are a lot of people that I know that went to school for something, graduated, have student loan debt and are not working in that field. And there is a lot of shame or should have's, you Mm -hmm. know, I, I went to school for this, I should be in this field, I should be doing this, I shouldn't have done that. And I think that if that's you, and you're listening right now, and you are satisfied with the career path that you are in at this point in time, that we need to forgive ourselves any of the stories we have around those student loans, because those student loans were a tool. I'm sure that you grew and developed as a person during that time. You learned what you did and didn't want. And I think that if we look at that instead of a failure or something to be ashamed about, because it's absolutely not, we look at that as something that was a barometer to let us know, you know, what we want to do more of or less of. And I know that that is something that needs to be talked about more often because I, you know everyone's on and on. Millennials have avocado toast and $5 lattes and student loans and everything else. (laughs) And I think it's time that we just drop all of that shit and finally do what makes you happy and do, you know, I'm not saying like, go to Bora Bora tomorrow and spend $5,000 a week when you don't have it to spend, but like go buy the latte, absolve yourself of the shame that came with, you know, going to school for a degree you're not using right now. As long as you're making forward progress and whatever forward progress looks like to you, like who the fuck else cares? Exactly.
1: I could not agree more. Absolutely. We, you and I even, and I hope, you know, I, I really think that this is changing. We're told go to high school, Go do your SAT, ACTs, get into a good college, get your college degree, go to your career. That is not the path anymore, necessarily. It is a path, but it doesn't have to be the only path. I knew and was told from a very early age when I understood schooling and what college really was, is this is the path you follow. And I really am so happy to see that the newer generations and the younger generations are embracing that that doesn't have to be everybody's path, that the world is changing. And if you don't wanna do college or if you did go to college and you, like you said, are in a different career path and everything, more than okay, it's way more critical that you're doing what you're passionate about. Even if it's not something that makes you the absolute most money in the world, passion is what is gonna matter at the end
0: of the day. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. Well, Brock, thank you. I'm sure you will be on again in the near future. For everyone listening, we have a really exciting group program coming out called Money Mavens. If you go to confidentmoneypodcast.com, it'll link directly to that. It's going to be covering all of the things that you wish you would have learned in high school. Like how to read your tax return, how to prepare for a recession, you know, how to understand your retirement, how to get started, where to start, all of those things that just can feel so exhausting and especially if you are neurodivergent or if you just this isn't your forte, we're here to help. And we're setting it at a really, really low monthly price because we want this to be super accessible. So check it out. We are launching it on the 4th and that's when this comes out. And so there's gonna be a special surprise for anyone that signs up during the first week that it is out. So make sure to check it out and sign up. And then up next, we have a mini season with Kyle Seagraves of Win the House You Love, talking all about home loans and what you need to know to best prepare. If you loved this episode, make sure to leave a five-star review for a chance to win a free financial strategy session with yours truly, Caitlin Magnuson. We do the drawing the first week of every month and to be eligible, you'll want to leave a five-star review and include your IG handle so we can contact the winner. I'll see you next time where we'll chat real finances for real people.